What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Man's League Podcast, where we talk all things Cleveland sports and then some. Follow us on Twitter at Man's League Pod. I'm Gabe Kovas, joined alongside by my co-host, Ray Marsh. What up, Ray? Yo, Gabe, that was the best intro you have given me all week. Let's go football Fridays, baby. You know what it is. We be going in. We be giving you two podcasts a week for tax reasons only. And today we're going to preview the Cleveland Browns versus the Washington football team. Let's, Let's go. Get it. Woo! So we, uh, we asked. You guys delivered. So here's our viewer submissions. Or not viewer because it's a podcast. Our listener submissions for their Browns game predictions and their hot take, starting with Evan Glancy. Boys, gentlemen, how we doing? Thanks for uh, bringing me in on a little segment here. I've never done anything like this, so uh, I guess I'll just jump right into it for you. My prediction for this week's uh, Browns-Washington game, I'm thinking the Browns are going to take it away. I have a little trouble with the defense, but I think the main focus on the offense is going to be getting the ball to Odell Beckham because he, first off, I think he's a little whiny, but um, I need need some touches, and I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. Uh, He has dropped a lot of balls, and it's kind of embarrassing to watch because he's supposed to be, you know, Odell Beckham, but that goes straight into my hot take where I think that if they don't put the ball in Beckham's hands, that we're going to see talk about trading him. Getting rid of him, you know, opening up some cash space. But, you know, we don't know yet. So that's why it's a hot take. So uh, I guess we'll see this week. And uh, thanks for having me on. And go Brownies, baby! Evan, big shout out. Very hot take. Ray, what do you think? Uh, yeah, if, if your hot take was a meter on the stove, I would put it at medium high. Um, thanks for submitting it, but uh, I don't think uh, there's going to be any rumors coming out about OBJ, whether getting traded, whether we get him the ball or not. I feel like last week was definitely a good showing that him and Baker's chemistry uh, was uh, on the right track, as they might say. I mean, also considering that um, the Browns confirmed that they – are not going to trade Odell Beckham, and he's not on the trading block. That's a very hot take if they just do a ski skirt. But that's why it's called a hot take because hot we takes. don't know yet. Like hot Mike takes Evan only. Said. All right. Next Moving up. Moving on. Next up, we got our boy, Kurt Cassie. Kurt, what do you got to say? Long time listener here, Kurt Cassie, coming at you. Week three of the NFL season, got to go with the Browns, taking it to the Washington football team, 24-17. And for my hot take this week, my man from the Ohio State University, Chase Young, is going to tie the 1990 Kansas City Chiefs' Derek Thomas' record for the most sacks in the game for seven. Sorry, Baker, he's not biting on that play action. Wow. Wow. Call the fire department because that is a hot take in a bad way. Kirk Cassie, 
bringing in the heat the first time on the show. Kurt, we love it. Uh, uh, man, well, at least he has the Browns winning. Gabe, what do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, seven sacks, but coming through with an L. Um, I mean, if, if that happens, then it, that means that a running game will be on point. However, I don't think that's going to happen. But that's why it's a hot take. And also, Kurt, I love how you say, The Browns! The Browns! He sounds like an auctioneer. He's like, The Ohio State alumni, Chase Young. I was nice. He sounds really nice. He has a radio voice. Thanks a lot, Kurt. So next up, a host of the Man's League podcast brother, Alex Marsh, checking in. Yo, what's up? Alex M. checking in here at the Man's League podcast. The Cleveland Browns, the Washington football team. It's clear here. One team has a name, the other doesn't. 21-7, Browns. Hot takes, Miles Garrett's going to get three sacks, and rumors around Cleveland is Ken Carmen's leaving 92-3 the fan to join the Man's League podcast. Woo! Bam! 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 Hot Sources, sources could... Confirm. Sources confirm. Ken Carmen is leaving 92.3 The Fan to join us on the podcast. I mean, you hear you, you heard it here first, ladies and gents. Uh, Ken Carmen just didn't want his own show. He just wanted to join the Man League podcast. So let's go, but let's get to his prediction. 21-7. I, I can see that happening for sure. I mean, absolutely. With Miles Garrett with three sacks, that's they're on the right pace right there. I like it. I feel like it's going to be a little more high scoring, but hey, it's just a prediction. Thank you, Alex. Um, next up, we got another host and another brother. We got Josh Cove. Josh, talk to him. What it do, baby? It's your boy, Josh Cove. You know, co-host sometimes, partly, part-time. Um, Browns. Formerly Redskins, but now Washington football team. Browns take it. 26-13. Hot take. Miles Garrett. Forced fumble. Gets at least one forced fumble. One fumble recovery. One interception. One sack. Book it. Take it to the bank. Let's go. Let's get this bread. Go Brownies. <laughs> Miles Garrett having an interception? Book it. Let's book go. It book it. it. Say. Gabe, get, in, get into that take. That is your brother. Get into that take. Um, I mean, like, he has, Miles has as much as a chance getting an interception as uh, our trash secondary to begin with. So that's really not that high of a take, if you can think about it that way, but it's still a hot take. Josh, I mean, I don't know what you're thinking on that one, but that's a hot take. I love I love when the takes are simmering hot. It's like, uh, it's, it's like, you know, those, uh, those meals at Applebee's that's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, simmer. That was Josh's yes, sir. That was Josh's take on a platter right there. Watch out the plate's hot. That's what he's saying when he's delivering us the take. Exactly. So let's get to our prediction and our hot take. Ray Marsh, let him know. Hello, listeners. This is Ray Marsh, your co-host, checking in here. Um, my prediction for this week. Is the Browns taking down the Washington football team 31 to 10 hot take Baker Mayfield rushes for 86 yards with two rushing touchdowns 
and throwing for two passing touchdowns. One to Jarvis Landry, one to Austin Hooper, and the Browns, man. Woo! Two and one. That's what I got, baby. Baker with two rushing touchdowns. Let's freaking go. So, I love Book it. it. Book it. Book it. I got my prediction, my hot take, and my prediction is 38-17, your Cleveland Browns taking down the Washington football team, and my hot take, Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, each have three sacks each against Ohio State alumni Dwayne Haskins. Boom. Gabe, that's the second hottest take on this this segment. Kurt's number one with seven. Here's number two. Love it. That's what we do here at the Mansley Podcast. Book you it. Think you're getting a cold take. Don't tune in because these takes are hot. Oh, everything's hot over here at Mansley Pod. But that was a great time doing our Browns game predictions and our hot takes. Keep them coming, folks. Every football Friday, we're going to begin to that. So let's get to our little preview for the game against Washington. So um, I honestly, I know we're having fun with it, whatever, but we don't really know who this Browns team is yet, what their identity is. Yeah, they lost to a really good Ravens team, but they also beat a pretty bad Bengals team. And, you know, I, I just think – Washington could be our first good competition of the season, uh, game-wise. Uh, they're one-on-one just like us. Uh, they, I mean, they have an incredible D-line, and their offensive line sucks. It, it's kind of like, I don't know. I really don't know how to, to frame it, but I, I just think it's going to be a real interesting game. What do you think, Ray? Uh, Gabe, you know, I thought we had great competition week one against the Ravens, um, former MVP. So I guess that really showed what the Browns were going up against in, <laughs> in talent. Um, the Browns are obviously not ready uh, for, for the Ravens there. But, yeah, I think Washington is a, is a little bit better football team than the Bengals with Ron Rivera leading the charge. Um, I just think the Browns need to continue to um, get that run game going. Uh, don't worry about getting the ball to OBJ. We got to keep dominating the run because you saw how deadly that play action was. Um, according to Kurt, play action's not going to be going on, but I think it will. Um, I think Jedrick Willis is going to, you know, prove that he is worth that first round draft pick against Chase Young. Chase Young's going to win the battle. Okay, he's going to win a couple of times, but he's not going to win every single time, and and that's why the Browns are going to, you know, be able to pull through on this game with a thirty-one to ten dub here. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You said it best. Uh, and also, uh, according to Pro Football Focus in uh, Washington, uh, Washington has, uh, was it the third worst or something? I'll pull up that stat later. But they have a, a questionable offensive line. Uh, they leave some in pressures or something or another. But they're, they're beat up. They're beat up, Gabe. They're hurt. You know, they're, not everyone's there. And, uh, you know, they – they, they lost some, some talent in the offseason. So it's definitely with our, you know, our defensive line being a strong suit, that's definitely something that the Browns are going to have to look to expose mm-hmm. there and get to Dwayne Haskins and just pressure him and, and make him make bad decisions. And hopefully uh, Denzel Ward's right there to pick it off. Exactly. Well, I have the – so, yeah, it is – they have the third most in NFL, 35.1% of their dropbacks. 
uh, loud pressure. So, I mean, they lost Trent Williams this offseason, and then also they had an injury uh, this past week. And I think we can expose that, open up, and get some pressures, help our secondary out a little bit. You said it best, Denzel Ward. Um, I'm hoping Harrison, uh, our newest pickup from Jacksonville, can um, you know get a little bit more playing time because I, I, we need all the help we can get. And uh, is Greedy is Greedy good to go? I don't think there's been a decision yet on that. He's listed as day to day as 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 when this when we recorded this, he was listed as day to day. So All we'll right. find out hopefully. Okay. But uh, and also on the offensive side, uh, I mean, you know, we're going up against. Chase Young and that D-line, really good. Um, yeah, you said it best. Get that running game going. Uh, open up the passing game. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they're going to let up seven sacks, as Kirk Cassie said, hot take. Uh, but I don't see that happening. I, I definitely think it's going to be – like we're. I feel like we're going to score first, and it's going to be kind of a battle – but at some point, we're just going to run away. We're just going to be too much uh, for Washington. So 38-17 Browns. That's what I think. So, um, Love it. All right, now that we got the predictions and our hot takes uh, done on this Football Friday, let's get to our interview with Adam the Bull. Big shout-out to Adam the Bull for joining us at Mains League Pod. So Thanks, Adam. Get, thanks, Adam. Let's get to it. All right, so now we welcome on a very special guest to the podcast. He's a pizza connoisseur. He loves Delmonico steak. He's originally from Brooklyn, New York. He's the host of The Bull and the Fox every weekday from 2 to 7 p.m. on 92.3 The Fan. He's Adam the Bull. Adam, how's it going? Good, guys. How are you? Pretty well. Pretty well. Tremendous. Thanks for joining us, man. You Thank got you. it. I'm not used to being on camera. I actually put on a uh, decent shirt. I've been wearing undershirts for the last six months, so. Hey, I think we've all been. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for looking presentable. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. I don't, I don't know that I'm presentable, but I'm doing the best I can. You look great. So what's look going great. on? Not much. Uh, just uh, talking, you know, is obviously Brown season and whatnot. But first, I really wanted to get into uh, just knowing some more about you personally. Um, sure. We know that, you know, you, you host the Bull and the Fox uh, 2 to 7 uh, with Dustin Fox. Um, but before all that, how did you get your start in uh, sports talk radio and, and, you know, just talking sports and whatnot? That's kind of something I always wanted to do. Um, you know, I, when I was in my 20s, I dropped out of college when I was 19 and, you know, worked some regular jobs. And then when I was in my mid-20s, I was like, what am I waiting for here? I, I've always wanted to do this. Uh, I, how do I take the first step? So I got, I went back to college and worked at the college radio station at Brockport College in, in Western New York. And um, so in my senior year, I got an internship. Well, we actually had a, a relationship with a minor league baseball team called the Batavia Muck Dogs. And uh, so my senior year in college, I got a job doing play-by-play for them. And I ended up doing that three years. And then a friend from college uh, was working at a radio station in Utica, New York, which is also a little further east than than Batavia. And uh, she was working there as a news reporter. 
And right after 9-11, I got a job there doing, uh, doing news reporting for a couple of months, and I hated it. I did it for like nine months. But as I to- told you, Gabe, when we first talked, um, you know, you got to be willing to do anything because it could help you get your foot in the door. So even though I didn't want to be a news reporter, I took the job, and I did it for, I think it was nine months. It's been so many years now, I don't remember for sure. But I wanted to quit. I, I hated it. And um, I was thinking about quitting. And then our sports guy, we had one sports guy at a group of radio stations, and he got a job in another market. And it opened the door for me to take his job. And the rest is history. I've been doing sports talk since 2002 in first two stations in Utica for a total of six years and then in New York City for about four years and, and now here for, for nine years. So awesome. it's, it's been a while. It's, sometimes it seems like just yesterday I was in college, but it's been a long well, time. Well, let me tell you, uh, I mean, I think, I think you're in Fox shows what got, uh, got me started uh, with, with sports talk radio. Um, it was uh, kind of when we were in high school, I think uh, 2011, was yeah. the, the first year that was uh, we were freshmen and sophomore in high school. Yeah. And so I was cutting grass. I'm like, what is this new station talking about the Browns? And, and man, I just I just can't believe that was nine years ago. Just like, holy crap. I mean, just I listen to you guys, you know, almost every day. And it's just it's just crazy. <laughs> well, I appreciate <laughs> that. I'm, I, you know, it's always cool when you can inspire someone. You know, you're always going to have some people that love you, some people that hate you, some people that are neutral. You know, I'm pretty passionate, as you guys know, and you know, I can be, I can be a little mean sometimes. I don't mean to be, but I can be sometimes. So, uh, you know, I tick people off, and so some people get angry. But I, I, you know, I always like to hear when young people want to get in the business. It's a, tr- it's a tough business. It's hard to make a lot of money for a lot of people. A lot of, you know, a lot of people want to be in it. A lot of young guys like you guys. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. that. That's really nice of you to say. And you also made me feel old because <laughs> I don't want to be a freshman in high school. Yep. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, like, but, uh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I was going to say, um, go I, I talked to you like a few months ago about yeah. uh, trying to get into sports talk and whatnot. And you're actually a big reason why this podcast actually first started because I talked to you. And you said, yeah. whatever to get, uh, do get your foot in the door. We're in the age of technology, social media. So I'm like, hey, Ray, let's do a sports podcast. Actually, yeah. Ray, you came to me like, let's just do a sports podcast. I'm like, hey, Adam the Bull said so. so. <laughs> well, you guys are doing good. You know, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to every one, but I've listened to some of them. And you guys are doing a nice job. You know, you got to and, – and nobody's great right off the beginning. And you guys have done nice. I, I tell you if you suck. Um, hey, appreciate that. <laughs> but, Thank you but, so much. But nobody's going to be as good as they are down the line. You oh, you know, you you get your reps where you can get them, and it's good that you guys took this initiative. That's great because a lot of people say they want to do it, you know. And you know, I put out that email or that tweet that you responded to, and you know, but from time to time, there are a lot of young people that reach out to me, and I'm I'm happy to help. But a lot of them just say they want to do things and then they don't really do anything about it, which is fine. That's okay. You know, not everybody, you know, sometimes after you talk, maybe you feel like that's ah, just too much, not for me. But it's good to see that you took some initiative, um, both of you, and uh, you're doing good. So keep it up. 
keep working it. hard and eventually you know you get a crack at something or, or some <laughs> more and more people start to listen to the podcast yeah. i don't know how many people you have listening but the more you do the more you the better you're going to get and the more people will be listening well according to our statistics we're the number one podcast in ashabula uh Trumbull, and there was there was a couple others, but that's, that's besides awesome. the point. But um, so no, that's, thank not, you for that's the cool. Podcast. That's great, guys. I mean, that's that's awesome. Don't downplay that. I mean, you guys just started, and and some and people are listening, so that's great. Good for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So thank I mean, without further ado, let's get into uh, some Browns talk. We're yeah. going into the season. Um. And I uh, first, we wanted to ask some offensive questions. Um, I know yeah. that uh, this past week against the Bengals, uh, we did pretty good on offense. Uh, we got a lot of people involved, uh, running game and passing game. And I was just wondering, uh, what do you think uh, Kevin Stefanski needs to do, his type of play calling to expose Washington's defense? Should he go more on the running side with Chubb and Hunt? Or should he try to get the passing game involved, you know, early, like be more heavy on the passing, OBJ, Jarvis, and whatnot? I mean, I, I would think that, you know, to me, um, you always got to be run first if you're the Browns right now. Baker Mayfield, as we all know, has not really established himself, right? He's, he's a young quarterback still with a third – what fourth head coach and third play caller and mm-hmm. and really fourth and and he's still learning his way. I, you know, I, I was so convinced after the first year that he was the guy, and then like a lot of people, my confidence was was hurt after last year. He didn't play well, and and now we got to see what he is in the third year. But I think to make it easier on him, as he's getting used to yet another offense it makes sense to rely heavily on the run when, as you guys know, you have two of the best running backs in football. That's a luxury that no other team in the league has. And so, I, I mean, not that you want to be predictable. doesn't mean you can't throw on the first play or be aggressive somewhat. But, and, and Washington, but ultimately, especially against Washington, their pass rush is pretty good. It was last year. They were 10th in the league. You know, somebody called us today and said, they had eight sacks against the Eagles. Well, the Eagles' offensive line is really bad, so you don't want to overreact to that because they have a million injuries. But um, uh, but, but I, I still think that's their strength defensively is getting to the quarterback. So I think you do want to get the running game going. And then once you've gashed them with that for a while, that's when it's going to open things up for Baker. But I, I do think it's smart to take the pressure off him you know, early in the season, you know, let him get his feet wet under the system. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. And speaking of Baker and confidence, um, you know, what, what does Baker have to do going into week three to keep that uh, confidence and swagger that we saw versus the Bengals? Um, what, is, what does he have to do to keep that uh, rolling through, uh, through week three versus uh, the Washington football team? I think the – well, I think first of all, as you guys know, the protection that this past week against Cincinnati was excellent, right? And, and the Bengals are not good on defense, and they were missing a couple of key guys in the middle. But they do have a lot of talent on the defensive line, even without the guys that were there. Sam Hubbard's really good. Uh, um, so, so they have uh, DJ Reader, who they signed to a big money free agent contract. 
so they're really good on the defensive line, and they were a non-factor in the game. Um, and I think that's because the Browns' offensive line is good. I, I think part of the reason – you know, it's so funny because Baker was so confident to the point of overconfidence, I think, going into the second year. Yeah, he even yeah. talked about it. Like, he thought it would be easy last year, and it wasn't, and it shouldn't have been. He should have known better. But he was so good and confident the first year that I think it negatively affected him last year. And then, um, obviously, the defensive line wasn't very good. You can't blame him, them or the coach or whatever for all his struggles, but they weren't good. And that, and that and his inconsistency, I think, led to a lack of confidence. And it seemed like it was still there week one. Now, I'm not convinced he's back to the same guy because he beat a bad Bengals team, or mm-hmm. at least a bad Bengals defense. But um, – he did seem a bit like him, his old self, and I, but in a way better because I like the fact that after the game when they asked – when the reporter from NFL Network asked him about, how are you feeling this morning? And he didn't do any of that feeling dangerous nonsense. Mm-hmm. I thought that was – showed a little bit of humility there, which I think, I think is important for Baker. Yeah, and, like, to that point, um, I think someone asked him, like, do you have anything to say to, like, the haters or whatnot? And he's like, you know what, um, I'm not going to be chirping or anything. I'm just going to let my playing do the talking. So I think that really shows some maturity for sure. Um, and, and then also against uh, uh, the Bengals last week, uh, we know that OBJ had a pretty uh, decent game. Um, he looked like he was starting to get back into a rhythm, um, and he's healthy now. And I know during that first Ravens game, he had that drop. But against the uh, Bengals, he had that touchdown. Could have been two touchdowns. Uh, wasn't for that missed pass interference call. He had a few catches. Um, yeah, that was a brutal no call. Yeah, no. I mean, it didn't even really matter because at least we still got It that. helped him, actually. Yeah, it they got that drive. It actually helped him. Yeah. Right. Burn time and off the clock. clock and everything. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, I mean, at least there was that. But, I mean, do you expect OBJ and Baker to build on their chemistry – uh, following this week, you know, against Washington and for the rest of the season? I'm hopeful, right? I, I, I can't, you know, I, I, like I've been saying on the year old uh, the last couple of days, I don't think we're going to really know about this team, about Baker Mayfield, about the Baker Mayfield-Odell connection until weeks four, five, and six, right? Dallas, Indy, Pittsburgh, three good teams. Uh, Pittsburgh may be really good, but, you know, in the first two weeks, we've seen them play, you know, one of the top two or three teams in the league and one of the bottom five teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And I think Washington's probably in that same bottom five group. Mm-hmm. So once we see them play well together against good competition, then I'll feel more confident that it's a long-lasting thing. There's clearly been an issue. I do think it was really interesting, I don't know if you guys noticed this, at the end of the game against Cincinnati – at one point, they, the camera went to Baker sitting on the bench and Jarvis and Odell sitting on the, each side of him. Mm-hmm. And they were just kind of hanging there and chatting, and they seemed really comfortable with each other. And that's, that's the thing, you know, they've got to have that comfort level. Clearly, Baker's had it with Jarvis. Can he have it with Odell? Um, I, I think only time will tell. But I think last week certainly gave you some, some reason for optimism there. Yeah, Jarvis was like rubbing Baker's thigh, right? <laughs> or something. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, it, it it's also a big indicator too on how the Browns are doing. Is uh, what's uh, what's OBJ's face? Um, you know, during right. the huddle huddle of the plays, and, and obviously, 
you didn't see any of that versus the Bengals. It was like he was a whole whole different person. Um, you know, speaking about good teams, um, getting into the defense, a good player, Chase Young. Um, yeah. You know, is is Chase Young going to expose the, the the Browns' offensive line there with Jedrick Willis and and you know be, being the rookie uh, tackle there? And 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 how are how are the Browns going to avoid that? You know, with with such a such a dominant, well, not dominant, but you know, yeah. a, a young pass rusher, pass rusher, and Chase Young. But dominant's okay. I mean, he he has been pretty dominant in his first two games. It's not enough of a sample size, but he but dominant. I think the dominant is accurate for the first two games. I don't think he's going to expose him. I think Jedrick Will, you know, Chase Young's a rookie. Jedrick Wills is a rookie, both top 10 picks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think that I, I, you know, I liked him coming out of the draft. I think we were all a little concerned about him moving to the other side of the line. But I thought he did a great job last week, especially coming up off a short week when he was banged up a little bit. And, um, I think the, the Browns line, if it's healthy, is good. I mean, Conklin didn't play last week, and they still survived. Wyatt Teller's been real good in these first two games, according to Pro Football Focus. His grades are great. So, no, I, I think, you know, Chase Young's a good, great player. He's going to make a couple of plays. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be a situation where the Browns line is getting shredded. Like, it's not going to look like what the Bengals' whole line looked last week. <laughs> He'll have his moments. He's a great player. He'll make some plays. But – I don't think it's going to be like, oh, my God, he's just killing us the whole game. I, I, I don't think so. But, mm-hmm. And hopefully I'll be right about that because otherwise <laughs> it could get ugly. Yeah, and well, it'll, be, it'll be a good test to show what, what you know, Jedrick Willis is made of and, and that the rest of the Browns line, you know, because right. facing a stud like yeah, Chase sure. Young. Well, moving on challenge. to the defense side, um, I, I saw this uh, stat uh, from – Pro Football Focus, PFF Washington. Uh, yeah. Washington O-line has allowed a pressure on 35.1% of dropbacks, which is the third most in the NFL. Um, do you expect uh, the D-line, uh, like Miles and Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, to do some damage uh, versus Washington's uh, offensive I, line? I do. I mean, you look at – you mentioned the stat on Washington's O-line, and their best offensive lineman just got hurt last week. Oh, right? yeah, I sure. did hear about that. And he, so he's out for the game. He's their best player. Obviously, they lost Trent Williams. At the, you know, they traded him in the offseason. So right. you, you've now lost your two best offensive linemen uh, in, the la- you know, in the last couple – well, obviously the first one before the season and the second one now. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the, you know, the Browns have shown you that when you're facing a bad offensive line, you can take advantage of that. Washington's offensive line might be a little better than Cincinnati, but I don't know. I mean, listen, Miles Garrett – I expect him, maybe it's unfair, but I expect him to dominate every game and play great every game because he's that kind of talent. I mean, he's a top five pass rusher. And I think, you know, Richardson and Ogunjobi have done a really, you know, really kind of turned into a nice solid pair. Like, you know, they're not Aaron Donald or Geno Atkins in his prime, but they're right below that. They're both really good, solid and maybe Ogunjobi does get there. Maybe he even gets into that superstar status eventually. I mean, he's really good. So, overall, they've done a nice job. And, you know, we all – everybody excited about Porter Gustin, who nobody <laughs> ever heard of a couple of weeks ago, making some big plays. And mm-hmm. Fan Arnold. favorite today. Fan <laughs> favorite. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So, um, yeah, I do – I expect them to have a good game. I don't think it'll be – again, I don't think it'll be as crazy as it was against Cincinnati. I don't think they'll dominate to that level. But I think they'll do well. and. Remember, the good thing is 
even if Washington's offensive line is a little better than Cincinnati, Washington doesn't have the skill position talent that Cincinnati does. So that's a disadvantage there, right? They got Terry McLaurin is really good. The rest of their pass catchers are all unproven and have done nothing. Their running back's a rookie. You know, they got Peyton Barber there, but he's just a guy. Right. So they don't have a lot of skill position talent. So if you could kind of shut down McLaurin or keep him under wraps, and Denzel, we saw it, Denzel Ward played a great game against A.J. Green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would think he's going to be matching up with McLaurin quite a bit. If they keep him to a reasonable game, I, I, I just don't see how – I think Washington will have a real tough time scoring in the game. We'll and see. Also, I mean, the Browns' defense obviously hasn't played well. They still yeah. gave up 30 to the Bengals. Um, but, you know, the, like I said, the Bengals have a lot more talent on offense at the skill position than, the, than, the, than Washington does. I completely agree. Like, you don't – I don't think uh, Dwayne Haskins is like Joe Burrow whatsoever. I think Probably Joe Burrow not. Is, Probably is, not. Uh, yeah. I mean, granted, he's a rookie and there's only two games in. Yeah. But I, I think Joe Burrow is uh, definitely a better quarterback. And also with, that way. with Miles, uh, he was uh, – my friend was pointing out uh, during the game that he saw Miles get double teamed a lot. But that opened up Sheldon Richardson, you know, because he didn't have much attention right. on him to get to Joe Burrow right. well, and whatnot. And that's the thing. You know, we have like um, – we have this one caller, Tommy, who calls us all the time. It's like, Miles Garrett didn't do anything this game. And we all are guilty <laughs> – myself included, of sometimes thinking that if a guy doesn't have sacks, he didn't have a huge game. But I think we, you know, when you when you really think about it, if a lot of times a, a pass rusher could have a good game because he set, because he's being double teamed or even triple teamed and somebody else gets open, and the reason the other guy makes the play is because of, of the fear of Miles Garrett or, or what Miles Garrett had done. So, Miles Garrett's a huge a, force. He still had a strip sack. Like, <laughs> Right, right. That, a great play. I mean, that was a great play. Uh, Bull, Bull yeah. uh, briefly, you mentioned uh, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. You know, how he had a big game last week, 125 yards, a bunch of catches. You know, how, how do the Browns scheme to kind of stop him this week being one of their main offensive threats? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just – I would have Denzel Ward on him all day long. I, that would be my plan. I don't know if the Browns are going to do that, but, you know – Denzel, listen, since he's been here, when he's been healthy, Denzel's been really good, right? He was, he's been banged up. But when he's been fully healthy, he's been good. Like it, it seems to me that if he stays healthy, he should become eventually a perennial pro bowler, I would think. I mean, he made it as a rookie. Yep. And he's got all kinds of talent. I was so impressed by the way he played last week because I, 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 I had thought A.J. Green was going to have a big game last week, and he did not. And Denzel Ward, you know, when a lot of the and, – and think about it, right? A lot of the, you know, linebackers on the Browns are not very good. He didn't have – he hasn't had a ton of help in the secondary. All the guys are finally starting to get healthy. So he's got a lot on his shoulders in that back seven. Sandejo's not very good. The safeties haven't been great. So he's got a lot of pressure, and he, and he really came through in fine fashion. So, to me, I would match him up with McLaurin. So, I mean, that would be my game plan. Yeah, and it was nice to see Denzel show out <laughs> this yeah, game. Right, he was like, awesome. Yeah, he proved he proved that you know it was worth that with that draft pick. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it it stunk that he was hurt last year, but it was nice yeah. to see him really show out and, and give us reminisce what he's yeah, he's worth yeah. that pick. That's right. That's right. He was great. So, Bull, um, I saw this one stat on Twitter. 
Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how true it is. Is from some random Twitter account. But uh, the Browns are the are six in the NFL against the run, and 28th against the pass uh, for the past uh, couple games. Uh, do you yeah. what do you think? Uh, like Joe Woods, uh, what needs needs to do during his schemes? you know, to help the defense improve in the passing game? Do you think we need to make some pickups in free agency? Or? Yeah. I think the I wouldn't – I would ignore those stats for two weeks because, first of all, the Bengals for basically the entire second half were throwing the ball. And they threw for 300 yards, but it was on 61 or 62 attempts. So they really – per play, they weren't really making a lot of progress. And – yeah, we all knew – I don't think there's anything the Browns could do really in free agency at this point. The defense is what it is. We'll find out. I, mean, I don't think it's very good overall. Um, I just think there's too many holes in the back seven of the defense. But I don't think there's much they could do about it. Joe Woods has got to scheme it up each week as, as well as best he can and hope that some of these young linebackers can, you know, play well. Maybe, you know, maybe Mac Wilson plays this week. We'll see. Hopefully he'll help. He wasn't great as a rookie, but there's, you know, at least he's probably got the most potential of all the linebackers. So we'll see. But I just, you know, this it, it's hard to believe you're going to pick somebody off the street at this point that's going to make you any better. I mean, you never know, but that that's probably unlikely. But in terms of the stats, passing, rushing, I wouldn't worry about it because, like I said, the Bengals were really just throwing the ball a ton. I think, you know, once they play – Again, four, five, and six in the or Dallas in the Pittsburgh will get a much better feel for where they are on both sides of the ball. No, yeah, a- absolutely. Speaking of Mac Wilson, yeah. uh, you know how how do you think getting back Mac Wilson and, and Greedy Williams potentially is going to help? You know, almost transform the defense. Do you think it will transform the defense? Do you think that that will give a big push for the Browns? How do you think getting those two players back uh, in the next couple of weeks will you know, help us out here? I don't think it's going to transform the defense. I think mean, it will help, but I don't think they're good enough players at this point in their careers to, to say it's going to transform. I think Greedy Williams is a bigger deal. I mean, I think he's a better player than Mack Wilson. I think he will definitely help. Gives them some really good depth at corner. Kevin Johnson, the veteran, also may be back soon from that lacerated um, liver. It's scary. Crazy. But, you know, Mac Wilson's got a lot to prove. I, I don't think we know if he's a good player yet. I mean, he, he showed you a, a few flashes last year, but but overall he he did not play that great last year. So he's got a long way to go. So I'm not even you – know, he's he's probably better than what they've got, but I don't know that we know that for sure. Where I, I think we know Greedy's better than what the Browns have. And, mm-hmm. and just having more corners, starting caliber corners, will help a transform. I can't go that far, no. Okay. I completely agree. So, um, we know you're a big baseball fan. Um, yeah. We will talk some Indians. Uh, we haven't really talked to Indians, like, in full discretion. I haven't really been watching the Indians that much. Yeah. Uh, but I know that we're 30 and 24 tonight. But I know we're playing right now. I, ha- I don't know the score. But yeah. uh, looks like we are tied bottom eighth, one-to-one. But, so – I know there's been a lot of uh, kind of like concerns with the hitting or, or, or like maybe even pitching or whatnot, but what is your biggest concern about the tribe right now heading into the postseason? It's definitely the lineup. Um, yeah, I don't have any concerns about the pitching. Um, 
you know, the back of the rotation with Savali and maybe McKenzie who's going to pitch out of Penn the final week. There's some questions there a little bit, but everybody's got questions at the back end and the Indians' questions are less than most. The top three, the way Plesak's pitched this year, obviously Bieber's been the best pitcher in baseball. And Carrasco, I, I trust those three a lot, which is going to give them a chance to win a first-round series. Um, they are going to play a really tough opponent. We don't know who it will be yet. It could be Minnesota. It could be the White Sox. It could be Oakland. It could be Tampa Bay. They're all really good. They'll all be a challenge. They all could beat the Indians. But I think the Indians could beat all of them. Um, the, I, I totally trust the rotation. I totally The bullpen's pretty reliable right now. Hopefully, Karen Check, he had a good performance yesterday. Been a little up and down lately after dominating the first six weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. So I'm confident there. The lineup's a big concern out after the first five hitters. They just are really getting no production six through nine in the lineup. And the, even, even at the top of the lineup, obviously, Carlos Santana has been awful this year. Well, they did hit a big home run yesterday. Lindor's been a little disappointing. Jose Ramirez has been carrying the team. Um, he's been phenomenal. He's an MVP candidate. I don't think he's going to win, but he's going to finish certainly top 10, maybe top five. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just not enough consistency. And when you go to the playoffs and you're, you know, you're not facing the Tigers and the Royals and some of these bad teams, especially if you play in Oakland or a Tampa Bay or the Yankees who have some, you know, good, not as good pitching as the Indians, but close. And you're facing these great lineups, the White Sox and the Twins and the Yankees who have gotten healthy now. I think it's a challenge. I mean, but a lot of people think the Indians can't win in this playoffs because they're, you know, going to finish as the seven or eight seed. Um, But I I think they can. I mean, I think their pitching is going to give them a shot. Um, Especially in the longer – I'm almost more worried about them in the first round because – in the first round, their pitching edge is not as big as a longer series. I think in a longer series, they have more of a pitching advantage over some of these teams. But, you know, we'll see. I, the playoffs are going to be a crapshoot this year with with 16 teams in. You know, I mean, it's hard to predict, uh, especially in the American League. I, I, six of the eight, unless Toronto and Houston would surprise me if they went to the World Series. The other six teams, Oakland, Yankees, Tampa, and then the three teams in the Central, White Sox, Indians, and, and Twins, I think any of those six can make it to the playoffs or to make it to the World Series. Boy, you mentioned the uh, pitching advantage. Um, yeah. how, do you think, how do you think moving Tristan McKenzie to the, to the bullpen there will help uh, you know, bolster the, the, the Indians um, during, the, the, during the playoff run here? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I wonder – you know, I don't know – it's weird. That, it's a little weird that they did that. I wonder if they'll change it. They'll flip it back once they get to the playoffs, because if they get to the second round and the third round, you're going to need a fifth starter unless you pitch a guys on three days rest. Right. And I just don't like pitching guys on three day rest. You know, uh, Bauer used to love doing it, but he wasn't any good at it. Yeah. You look. I mean, he didn't do it that often, but if you look at his numbers on three days rest, they were bad. Um, generally, guys they don't they're not used to pitching on three days rest, so I don't like doing it. So. I think for now he's going to be in the pen. I think if you get to the second round and certainly the third round, at that point you're going to need a fifth starter. I guess they could use Plutko possibly, but you know, McKenzie's been a little er- erratic here at the end, but I, he's got much better stuff than Plutko, so I'd rather 
start him. Although, you know, Cal Quantrill pitched well today. I don't know how many uh, – I can't remember now how many innings he went today. But, uh, you know, and he was a starter in the minor leagues. So, you know, and he was a starter with the Padres last year. So it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I'm, I'm looking right now to see how many innings he got. I can't remember now how many innings he went. He went four innings today. You know, two base runners struck out four. I wonder if they'd consider him for the fifth starter. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But I don't think, you know, I'm not – again, in the end, the bullpen's been good. Hand's been really good. Whitgren, Karinchak, um, Perez, Matone for the most part has been good. They're going to be fine. Can they hit enough? When they need to, that's going to be the big question, especially if you can, you know, I just don't know who's you can, tr- you can't trust anybody getting after Fran Mill Reyes. Yeah. And like, I was just thinking of, you were talking about uh, the pitching uh, and it's been a while, but Clevenger being traded to San Diego. Uh, do you think that hurt the Indians more than they were expecting? Like, cause they were trying to get a bat in there. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think it helped them for this year. I mean, who knows how many, if they'd have more wins or losses I mean obviously they were ready to move on from Clevenger and in the long term this could end up being a great trade I mean you know this front office has a track record that I trust them that they're going to get it right more often than not but I don't like the trade for this year because Clevenger is your second best pitcher now police act's been great but at worst he would have been your third starter um and in a year, and, and and you already have a pitching advantage. If you still had Clevenger, my gosh, I mean, Savali right. would be their fifth starter. So, and he's you know been pretty good. Uh, they would have had a major advantage, and I just didn't think Josh Naylor was going to help that much, and he hasn't done much offensively. So, again, long term, I'll give them benefit of the doubt. This front office deserves it. For this year, I don't like it. Um, I will never know. You know, if they win the World Series, then who cares? And if <laughs> yep. they don't win the World Series, we'll never know if they would have with Clevenger. But I think they're a better team with Clevenger on the field. Now, that being said, you know, obviously there were issues in the locker room with him and Plesak going out, and maybe some guys didn't want him there. So maybe it's better for chemistry that he's gone. But I still think they'd be better off for, for 2020 with him here than the guys they got. I, I think we both agree on that, yeah. <laughs> that exact stance, too. We're all three here. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, really quick question. I know um, yeah. uh, about the man on second rule. Ray and I have been having a feud on the podcast about it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not – okay, so uh, full discretion, I'm not really a baseball guy. I don't know much about baseball. Yeah. However, I don't know why, to me, um, Ray dis- disagrees, but I think the man on second for extras gives an advantage to the away team. Because, you know, you got that uh, – uh, you're starting out second and you're just playing catch-up baseball if you're the home team. Do you – you probably disagree with me, but what do yeah, you think? Yeah, no, about- I, I think it's a big advantage for the home team because you, you know how many runs you have to score, right? Like, the, it, it, in fact, as the, as the road team, you almost have to go at it as if you need to score two runs. Mm-hmm. You have to think of it that way. Whereas when you're the home team, you already know what you have to score that inning. And, you know, if the other team doesn't score, you're in a great position to win the game. And if they do, well, you know, you got to get at least one and you're thinking about two. It, I think it's an easier strategy for the home team knowing what they have to do. The road team doesn't know. You know, you, you hope you score one, but you're really thinking, I got to score two because you're thinking the home team is going to be able to get their one. So I, 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 
And I surprisingly like the rule. I'm, in a lot of ways, I'm an old school baseball fan. I didn't think I would like this rule, but I've enjoyed it. Uh, maybe because it's a weird season. I don't know. Maybe when we go back to 162 next year, or maybe I won't like it. But, but so far, I, I've, I've actually enjoyed it. I've enjoyed all the new rules. I love the DH in the National League. Um, but, yeah. But, no, I think it's an advantage for the home team. No, a- absolutely. I, I love seeing the, <laughs> the DH in the National League, too. I think that rule kind of has to go away. Being a younger yeah. guy here, I hate seeing the pitcher come up and just win. You know, one, two, three, and yeah. you know, get done. But I, I do for for the season. Um, you know, I I'm not a not a fan of the you know the the second base, but uh, I I think for the season it is. I think it's a good uh, a good speeds fit the, for yeah, speeds it. Speeds up the games, like especially it's in a short definitely game. good for the season. We'll see if I'm not sure if I like it going forward, but I have liked it this year. Seven inning doubleheaders have been smart with all the doubleheaders they've had to play to make up games, especially the Cardinals and the Marlins. I think the DH is here to stay. I like the three batter minimum rule. Yep. Uh, I don't like sixteen playoff team. I'm fine with it this year. I think next year they should go not not back to ten, but I think they should go with twelve. You got to give some advantage to the top one or two teams to give them a buy or something. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Like the Dodgers are going to win like 40 games and they're going to have to play, you know, the Brewers or the Cardinals or, or the Marlins who are a 500 team. And the only advantage is that they get the home field. I mean, that that's that, – I think baseball screwed up. I think what they should have done in this first round was the one, two, and three seeds should have only needed to win one game in this round. Kind of like in the NBA for that 8-9 game. I don't know if you guys remember the 8-9 game in the NBA. Right, the nine seed had to win twice. The eight seed only had to win once. Right. I think they should yeah. have done that for the one, two, and three seeds in this. The one, two, and three seeds should only have to win one game. The six, seven, and eight. Not the four, five, because the four, five was the more traditional wild card. Mm-hmm. That should have been the true best of three. But the one, two, three versus the six, seven, eight should have been top three seeds, win one game, the others have to win two. I, I, that's what I would have done, but they, I, don't, I don't even know if they considered it. But too many playoff teams beyond this year. <laughs> And I was talking baseball with Lord Baseball. <laughs> I, you know that name, right? Sorry. <laughs> I do, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it's very funny. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask you, because I know that you're a Cubs fan. Yeah. Um, back in 2016, obviously, uh, the Indians lost to the Cubs in uh, the World Series. And being from Cle- uh, I mean, a Cleveland sports talk ho- show host, was it yeah. awkward, like an awkward day in the office the next day? Like, well, the whole two weeks or whatever it was was extremely awkward. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it was not as fun for me. I mean, I, w- I really wish – because if the Indians are playing anybody else, I'm rooting for the Indians to win. Um, and if the Cubs are playing anyone else, I think a lot of the fans would have been rooting for the Cubs with me. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. It was a great series. Um, you know, one of the best World Series ever, one of the best Game 7s ever. Mm-hmm highs and lows both ways uh yeah but in the end i can't complain because the cubs did win right but and so nobody feels sorry for me but it was uh it was very awkward for the next couple of weeks it was actually less awkward after they won than during the time they were playing that was it was really uncomfortable you know i'm not gonna go on the air in cleveland and, and yeah you had to suppress your fandom a little bit yeah right i'm not gonna you know, celebrate their victory on the air. I mean, that would not have been cool. So I didn't do that. But it, it was 
Yes, it's a good question because it was very awkward for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I thought you did a great job at it too because the Thank other you. half of my family's from Chicago. They're, uh, okay. all, they're all from the North Side Cub fans. And, uh, man, that sucked. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> tough. It was tough. <laughs> I was talking so much crap up 3-1. Yeah. yeah, this and that. And then they said, nope, Cubs and seven, Ray. Cubs. And then, uh, yeah, so. But, no, I, I, I thought I thought you did a great job on the radio, too. You didn't talk about it unless somebody's like, hey, you know, uh, Cubs fan. Uh, right, you right. know, they were getting you to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I was at uh, – I went to games four and five. At Wrigley, and that, oh, nice. and that was pretty cool. I mean, I was at Game One. I actually could have gone to Game Seven with my press pass, but I didn't want to be have. there. I didn't want to be there as a media member, believe it or not. But um, but I went to Four and Five at Wrigley, and uh, it was. I mean, Game Four, obviously, the Indians clobbered the Cubs in that game, mm-hmm. and uh, then Game Five was that close game. It was fun because Game Four was so hot at Wrigley Field. I was sitting um, in left field, you know, kind of between third base and the wall. And then it was really hot. And then the next day for game five, it was brutally cold. <laughs> and I'm freezing. The game is t- – it was a really slow game, close game, great battle. And I'm sitting in the back row between first base and the right field side, between first base and the right field wall. And it was it was wild. I mean, it was surreal watching the Indians and Cubs play of all teams mm-hmm. play in the World Series at Wrigley Field was 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 wild. I'll never forget those two nights, both the good and the bad for for all of us. <laughs> it, was, it was like a tug of war between like yeah. your heartstrings for sure, trying to figure out. Yeah, who it, was, it was it was it was tricky. It was tricky. And also, you you um you're a Bengals fan. Uh, yeah. And I know um is it. Kind of the same thing being a Cubs fan and, you know, being Cleveland Sports Talk. Uh, is it kind of awkward in a way? <laughs> like. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> You're fine. That was great. But, um, yeah, being so, uh, being a, like I was saying, being a Bengals fan in a Cleveland uh, Sports Talk uh, radio show, and, you know, considering they're in the, also in the same division, is that also yeah. kind of awkward to talk about? Not really. I'm not as passionate about the Bengals as I am the Cubs. Like, I lo- the Cubs have, have always meant more to me than the Bengals. I'm kind of a self-loathing Bengals fan. I, mm-hmm. I root for them, but I kind of hate the franchise in the same vein. I don't like the owner. Uh, you know, I, 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 I want them to win, but I don't it – it's not the same. It's not exactly the same for me. So it's now I don't feel like it's awkward. And especially because the Bengals and Browns have never been good at the same time. So it's never right. been a situation where it was like a big game between the two, you know? Mm-hmm. It's never like a rival- rivalry either, like that I've known for the past like decade or so. It hasn't like yeah. a battle of Ohio, but it's, it just isn't well, the- like that important. The, yeah. the Browns have been so bad. I don't think they've had a rival with anyone. <laughs> no, no I mean, with anyone. You got to win. I mean, everybody talks about the rivalry with Pittsburgh. They never beat Pittsburgh, so it's not really much of a rivalry. I mean, we, you know, I hate Pittsburgh too, but everybody. We, but if you never beat them, it's not really a rivalry. I don't even know that Ohio State Michigan is a rivalry anymore. Michigan can't win. It's like great <laughs> big brother, little brother on that one. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, hey, Bull, you know, we appreciate you coming on. Um, we just got one last thing from yeah. you. Um, so we started a new segment. Uh, 
it's a it's a prediction of the game and a hot take. Okay. Uh, so we were wondering if we could get we could get what's your prediction of the uh, Washington and Browns game coming up from week three, and what's uh, one hot take you have uh, coming out of that game? Okay, all right. So I've got uh, I think the Browns are actually going to win this game big. I I've, I think it's, um, let's say. Uh, let's see, last game was 35-30. I'm going to say even higher than that. I'm going to say 38-17 Browns. I like it. And the hot take is – I need a good hot take. What's a hot – I'm trying to think. All right, Austin Hooper has 100 yards. Does that count? There we go. Yeah. The hot take. Let's right. get it. That is a hot take, yeah. Austin Hooper, 100 <laughs> yards. has Because he hasn't done anything the first two games, you know, in terms of – he hasn't caught much. Right. Um, I say it's a big game, yeah. There you go, over 100 yards. I love it. I love, I that love it. Take. <laughs> and considering, like, I kind of forgot he's this. Well, he's the second highest paid tight end in the NFL, and he hasn't done crap in the past two games. But yeah. I mean, that's not really. Well, he, and he was the highest until he was actually the. I think he's third highest now. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he was Kittle the and uh, for a few weeks. Right, Kelsey. and then Kittle and uh, and Kelsey both signed new deals. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean. That's a good odd take. I mean, yeah. let's let's see if that works. And if it does yeah. work, we'll we'll shout your name from the mountaintops and be like, you yeah, heard it here first. What are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Adam, uh, I appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your day to uh, come join us. We we know you got a five hour show. Everyone else uh, slacks yeah. with four hours, but you got that five hour show, Bull and Fox. So that's right, a bunch of slackers. Yeah, well, sure I, I appreciate you having me on. Good yeah. luck. Good luck, guys. And uh, thanks. Thank you very Thank much. You so Thanks so much. You're listening to Adam the Bull uh, weekdays 2 to 7 on 923 The Fan. Thanks, Adam. You got it, guys. Hey, uh, are you putting the you – you're not putting the video up, are you? No, sir. I was going to say cut my son out of there when you <laughs> – just doing the audio. Then who cares? No, you're good. All right, boys. Nice job. Good, good work. Thank good you question. so much, Adam. All right, let me know. Re, re, don't feel free to reach out, all right? We'll do, Adam. Thank you so much. Okay. Keep it up. Good luck. If you need, did you get Lima? Did he reach out? Did he get back to you? <laughs> no. Um, it's funny you asked that. So I, this morning, uh, I, there, Ken was talking about, I mean, we obviously got Ken, but uh, I, you know, I've been tweeting at Lima and emailed him and he has like, he's been trolling me kind of like, yeah. I, I know, I know he sees my tweets and stuff. He'll favorite it. He'll respond. Yeah. And be a little cheeky with it. But uh, today, uh, Ken was telling a story of uh, some guy, Steve Tasker. I don't know who that is, to be honest. Steve Tasker? Yeah, he was talking about Steve Tasker. He was like, hey, Ken was like, oh, he was like, yeah, I tried to get Steve Tasker on. He gave me the cold yeah. shoulder when I, and I tweeted yeah. at Lima. I'm like, oh, yeah, so Lima's been doing the Steve Tasker on me. And yeah, then he, yeah, yeah. he read my tweet on air. And then he's been like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'll have like, he's saying, oh yeah, there's some big wigs I need to talk to in Philadelphia about coming on the podcast. We got to vet your podcast. We got to do this, this, yada, yada, yada. I have my people talk to your people. And then Ken's like, no, he, he's not. He, he won't. <laughs> if you <laughs> like want, if, I'll, I'll text him, tell him to go on with you. Okay. Oh, hey, thanks for being the plug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We appreciate that. And I'll, I'll tweet right, that guys, loud. Like, I'll text him for you. We're, we're, coming, Thanks, we're coming for you one by one. <laughs> you Appreciate got it. it. Thanks, Wolf. Take care, guys. Later. Yep. Bye. Bye.
Boom! That's right. Adam the Bull, 92.3 The Fan, heard exclusively here on Man's League Pod. That's what Gabe Kobots does for this podcast, baby. He brings in the celebrities. Okay, Ken Carmen, Paul Brown. That's that. That's what we do. I couldn't think of uh, Adam the Bull. <laughs> I mean, the, the heat is coming. Ashtabula County hero, Kyle Cannell. I think mm-hmm. I got that right. That's what yeah, it is. Did. That's what that's what Gabe does. Brings you know the what it is. Shouts out, Gabe. Appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate it. Love everything you're doing for the pod. And we'll, we'll get Lima in one day. One day we're going to get Lima in. But, uh, yeah. I mean, he had a pretty good hot take. Austin Hooper. Who would have thought? We got to get Austin Hooper involved for sure. But uh, let's get to our segment, Big Dub, Big L. We uh, have our big winner of the week, big loser of the week. So, Ray, what's your big dub? Gabe, I'm going to defer this to you. I want to hear your big dub first. So let me react from it. All right, so my big dub is Tyler Hero. So he scored 37 points um, against the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. He went off in, like, the fourth quarter. He had 17. Okay. Absolutely cooked the Celtics. And I heard a good, a good stat today. He's, well, tidbit. He's the only player born in the 2000s in the NBA currently right now and he's that would make him 20 years old gabe by my math that would make him exactly 20 years old exactly 20 or 19 one of the two no he turned 20 this year (laughs) or or his birthday could be december that'd make him 19 oh shit i didn't even even know that but yeah so tyler hero my big dub you know i heard also a good stat so you got tyler hero he was like drafted 13th overall yeah i need a hero I think that's the wrong song. So, um, Duncan Robinson, undrafted. You got Jamie Butler. Mm. He was late first round pick. And mm. uh, there's someone else I'm missing, but that's besides the point. And then, so you got all of that. And then you have the Boston Celtics. And, like, their whole starting five was, like, all, like, like first round picks. Like, early first round right. And just a 20-year-old cooking against just – a Celtics team. So, Tyler Hero, you got my big dub. So, who what's your big dub? You're our hero, Tyler Hero. All right, Gabe, I am going to go out on a limb here um, and give a little, maybe a little hot take, maybe a little prediction for my big dub. My big dub is going to be that the Grand Valley Mustangs take down Cardinal Middlefield to get that first dub of the year, move to one and four, Let's go, Mustangs. That's good, my big dub. I know it's a hot take. I know it's a prediction, but I was just feeling it. I know the Mustangs are going to get the first first win this week tonight. Let's get it. Let's go. You know, GV alum just putting on, you know, hardly home, but always repping. Oh, it's actually, a football Friday. It's, it's a, a fo- football Friday. That Gabe, that's why I had you go first because it just came over me. I was like, I need to do this. For the village, the village of Orwell, you know what I'm saying? So, let's go, Mustangs. Let's get that dub. Oh, actually, I just thought of a double dub. Cleveland Indians. A double dub, dare you. Cleveland Indians, two walk-offs uh, in a row, um, clinched the playoff spot. But this is a a football Friday, so we don't even have to get into it. But my big big L is me, is myself. Talk about it. 
So I tweeted. Oh, at speaking of Big L, as you mentioned that, did you see who just liked our tweet? Anthony Lava just liked my tweet. Let's go. <laughs> Oh my God! Breaking news! Burn, 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 burn. Anthony Lama just like my tweet, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so. Gabe, get it, get into it. Why? Why is he? Why are you your? Dad? All right. So I've been like harassing him all week, tweeting at him, and uh, he mentioned me on the radio show live. He's like, I, I, I got, I can't come on the show until I uh, talk to the big wigs in Philadelphia. He has to talk to corporate, so you know. Sure. Ben, and him don't get into a few like he's like what if they get me drunk and i just like talk crap on ken i'm like uh it's a great or, point uh, like a hot take i guess but and then i tweeted at him yesterday morning and in the middle of his opening and he was talking about he was checking out some listeners girlfriend or something or other from twitter stalked her instagram looked at her photos uh scrolled through the photos showed it around to the studio and then he tweeted at me, yeah, we totally weren't talking about you or your girlfriend in the opening. I'm like, huh? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I see you, Lima. And he just, he just trolls me. That's, that's, just, that's my purpose in life is just to be his little doll, just to just play with. And, you know, I, it's a dog chasing the car scenario. I, I want what I can't have. But, Lima, thanks for trolling me. because It gives my life new meaning and purpose, so. Thanks, Lima. What's your big L? Gabe, that sounds like that could be another – that could be a triple dub. I mean, I hear mean, me he out. My tweet. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Gabe, my big L of the week uh, goes to a former listener of the show, former friend of the show, former Cleveland Browns quarterback, Tyrod Taylor. Um, if you have been living under a rock, you have not heard the news, but I will break it to you. Tyrod Taylor – his lung was punctured by his doctor uh, because he had, you know, typical broken ribs. And uh, so we got – so what they do is they shoot you up with some painkillers, and it was on his cracked ribs. So, uh, you know, they put the needle in, and bam, they puncture that big bad boy lung. So, yeah, big L to the Chargers uh, family doctor over there for just, uh, you know, poking people with needles where it shouldn't go. So, question. Yeah. Do you think he still has a job? I he really shouldn't. Who, the doctor or Tyrod? The doctor. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say because that backup quarterback came in and was electric against the Justin Kansas Herbert, City man. Chiefs. He was yeah, Herbert. I don't know. Yeah, what he, he for. came in. He delivered. It was almost like a Browns, you know, Tyrod Baker situation. I don't know how they go back. I don't know how Tyrod Taylor has a job uh, going into this next week here. Oh. But I think the doctor is in more – the doctor should be on the outs. Uh, Let me be. correct you. It's actually pronounced Tyrod. So. He, I mean, he said, he said that's what his mother calls him. He said you could call him whatever he wants, Gabe. So I will correct you on that and uh, call him Tyrod. I mean, call me what you want. Just don't call me collect. So, I mean, 4-4 Bulldog, my – Call me crazy, but at least I'm calling. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah, good big dog, big L. So, here we go, brownies. Brownies, here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. I definitely screwed that up. But, 
You know what it is. It's football Friday. The Browns are about to beat the bricks off of the Washington football team. It don't matter if they drop their names from the, the skin reds, the redskin potatoes. Don't matter. They're a football team. Don't matter because we're about to beat the bricks off of the Washington football team. Let's go, Browns. Ray, send us out. Woo! Baby! That's right. All right, everybody. Uh, you know, thanks for tuning in as usual. Give us, um, you know, five stars on the podcast app. Leave us a review. And uh, to send us out here on this Football Friday, it's a little fr- football funk Friday, a funky football Friday. We're going to send you out to a little bit of uh, one of my favorite songs of all time, Give Up the Funk by Parliament. Cue the music, baby. Woo! Let's go, Brown! Mother sucker, tether off the sucker. Tether off, we're going to tether off the mother sucker. Tether off the sucker. Tether off, we're going to tether off the mother sucker. Tether off. Oh, we're gonna get it off the